You're listening to the Wordslinger Podcast, episode 143, from indie to traditional with Elise Lee Goldenberg. This episode of the Wordslinger Podcast is brought to you by draft to digital Convert your manuscript, distribute it online, and get support the whole way at DraftToDigital.com. It's the Wordslinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand, write your book, redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours? Now, here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tomlinson, the word slinger. Word slinger. Hey, this is Kevin Tomlinson, the word slinger, uh, tuning in for another week of word slinger shenanigans. Uh, I appreciate that in you. That's one of my favorite traits about you. So, um, now this week I'm talking to somebody that, uh, uh, you know, here's what, this is what's interesting about being an author. When I started this whole business, um, the whole question of traditional versus indie wasn't even in my head. Okay. Now, uh, when I first self-published, there was still some stigma attached to the very phrase. And, uh, I was very uh, self-conscious about that. Uh, it turned out I didn't need to be. And um, none of us need to be. But uh, it did color the way I uh, approached the entire industry at the time. And uh, my goal was always to uh, traditionally publish, honestly. That was always what I wanted. Um, And even to this day, if the right deal came along, if the right offer came along, the right contract, uh, if things were just right, then I would consider uh, a traditional contract because... um, I, you know, I want a Dan Brown, Lee Child level of success with my career. So that, you know, there you are. Big reveal, but uh, <laughs> not so big if you know me for any length of time. Uh, now, that said, I love, I love indie publishing. I mean, it's just in my blood. I'm the, I'm the quote, voice of indie publishing, uh, unquote. And uh, that's, that is a title I bear with honor. Um, the work I do with draft to digital, I work with, you know, thousands of indies through that. I work with thousands of indies through Wordslinger podcast. So, um, that's in my blood. I, I, I love it. Uh, and I think there's a lot to be gained, uh, for going through the traditional, I mean, I'm sorry, the indie publishing experience, um, that I actually think the traditional publishing industry could benefit from. <clears throat> so there's that. Now, um, my, my guest today uh, has taken that journey. She went from self-publishing to uh, indie publishing. Uh, and, you know, there are some trade-offs in, uh, in both forms of, of that work. But she's doing pretty okay for herself. And uh, she's pretty happy. So that's, that's something that, uh, you know, I think we're all after. We want to find that, that balance that makes us happy as authors and gives us that, you know, that author career that we've been dreaming of. Um, so I hope you'll enjoy this interview. Now, <clears throat> if you'll stick around, stick around after the interview, because what I got is I got some industry news, but I've also got an announcement that you're going to dig. Uh, and it's, it's, it's just for you. <laughs> it's a special announcement I built and crafted lovingly just for you. By the way, the kind of thing that you can only do as an indie author <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you're gonna want to you're gonna want to tune in for that. So stick around after the interview; you'll get that stuff. Um, for now, let's move on down the road. Let's get on into this interview with Elise Lee Goldenberg and uh, 
going from indie to traditional, which is a word I have trouble even just saying. So, see you on the other side. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, you stuck around through the whole intro. I, I appreciate that. Uh, we're talking to Elise Lee Goldenberg, and she is the author of, among other things, and I'm going to butcher this, Elise. I'm sorry. The Tell me. It's the Sit, Sitnalta, Sitnalta series. Yes. You pronounced yep. it for me and everything, and I still blew yep. it. <laughs> no, you got it right. Okay, I got it right. Sitnalta series. Okay. Uh, and uh, you're coming to uh, – so, uh, first of all, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. All right. Now, you're an award-winning author, it says, of uh, horror, young adult, paranormal romance, and young adult fantasy fiction. So, uh, those all kind of gel together, I think. Uh, how long have you uh, yeah. been in the business? Uh, professionally, I'd say uh, about six and a half years. Uh, mm-hmm. I was first published around the time my kids were born. Okay. Okay. And uh, are you uh, traditionally published or are you indie? I am now traditionally published with okay. Pandemoon Publishing. I, I talked over you. What was the name of the publisher? Uh, Pandemoon. Pandemoon. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, so you've been with them uh, for a couple of years now or? Uh, about five, six years. Okay. So most yeah. most of your, writing, yeah. your professional writing career. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. So you're, you made the distinction. So does that mean you had an unprofessional writing career before that? <laughs> uh, I, I think most writers do, like before they're published and everything. I mean, I've been writing since I knew how to hold a pencil, really. Right. So, but at that time it was mostly for myself and I didn't really think of putting it out there for other people to read until right. more recently. Yeah. Um but you did you did some indie publishing before you uh went with Panda Moon? I did a little bit. What uh what was your experience like that with that? Um I I understand why some people like it. It's just while also trying to raise six-year-old triplets, doing everything for myself, right. just came too much for me. I can imagine that, yeah. <laughs> I don't have six-year-old triplets, but uh, there's a lot of work involved with, uh, with indie publishing. So how did you, uh, what route did you go? I mean, did you, did you look for a, an agent or um, uh, did you go straight to a publisher? Like, how did, how did it work uh- out for you? I, I did my research, my due diligence, looking at different publishers and how they worked and what I felt would be a good fit for the type of thing I was writing. Mm-hmm. And I started submitting it directly to publishers that accepted submissions. And okay. eventually someone said yes. Okay. Uh, how many tries did you give that? I think I lost count. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty typical, right? I mean... Uh, I, I remember reading, um, well, I'd already been through uh, quite a few rejections by this point, but I remember reading Stephen King's on writing and he talked about having a spike in his wall that he'd put his rejection slips on, you know, and uh, eventually he had to, you know, get a bigger spike and <laughs> yeah. had to keep going. So it happens to the best. Um, so you, uh, you managed to push through, um, that shows diligence. I mean, what, so you must have a, uh, a sort of discipline and routine that you adhere to. What, what's your like typical writing routine like? Uh, well, typically I write at night when the kids are asleep. Okay, that makes sense. And, <laughs> and, and I try to 
push through um, at least a chapter or so every so often. I'm kind of in a bit of a downtime right now because I have two books coming out that are in various stages of editing with mm -hmm. my publisher. And so I'm focused on that and trying to get that done. And okay. yeah, just trying to get all of it right to get it out there for the public. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I work with so many indie authors and I do, I, I talk to quite a few traditionally published authors, but it, there always seems to be some, some like weird little differences between the two. And since you've, you've kind of had your foot in both waters, at least a little, um, maybe you're the right person to ask about this. Like how do things differ, uh, between indie and in the traditional publisher? Like what, what are you, uh, what are your responsibilities there? Um, well, uh, to clarify, when you say indie, do you mean self-published or like one of the smaller boutique publishers? Uh, there's I, even more of a difference between that as well. Right, right. Yeah, no, I generally mean self-publishing. But if you went, did you go, did you have one of the boutique, uh, like small houses? Uh, I was at one small house for a small period of time. They have since gone under. So. Okay. <laughs> as they tend to do. Uh, yeah. um, well, with regards to the difference between self-publishing and the traditional one, with self-publishing, I kind of was my own boss and right. getting things done like um, for the edits and everything else and making sure that I knew what I was doing with regards to that. Right. And for me, that required a lot more discipline. Right. Um, with my publisher they set the schedule and they do the edits and then we talk about it and we go through everything. And as someone who at some point, all the words just kind of seem to blur together to have that second, third, fourth pair of eyes for me, because yeah. half the time I'm exhausted anyway. Yeah. Um, it, it's been a big help. Right. I find. Right. Yeah. Uh, definitely. It is a relief to be able to hand the book over to someone for sure. I, um, I mean, I have my street team. I have, I have people I rely on to, to basically see the, uh, the things that I'm ignoring yeah. <laughs> at that point, <laughs> which makes, you know, makes the book better, but makes my life a little easier too. So I can totally understand that. What are, what are, what have been some of the biggest benefits of uh, working with Panda Moon? Um, the one of the biggest benefits I find, I absolutely adore my cover artist in oh, particular okay. for, for the Sitnalta series and the work that Don has done with my books and bringing my characters to life in ways I didn't think was possible right. has been amazing. Um, my editing team has been fantastic, uh, pointing out things that I could have done better and and finding all those little niggling mistakes that I would have completely ignored otherwise. Right. right. Um, I, I appreciate everything that they've done to bring the quality of my book up to where I think it should be and hopefully is. Right. Oh, I'm sure it is. Uh, it's, it's good to have help. <laughs> I think yeah. that's one thing authors in particular, uh, we're, we're a little weird because everyone tends to think of being an author as being a completely isolated, solitary uh, career, um, but it really could not be further from the truth in in my experience. And I have traditional and indie experience. I went the other route, uh, almost almost completely flipped from what you're doing, uh, including the the six kids. Or well, how, I'm sorry, you didn't say how many kids did you say you had? I, I have three six year olds. Three six year olds. Okay, I knew six was in there somewhere. 
how are you managing all this? I mean, what's your, I know you're writing at night, but how yeah. are you managing your, your life and everything around the writing and the kids and everything? Well, thank goodness they're in school right now. Right. Summer is a whole other story. Summer is my least productive time, I find. Um, but while they're at school, I could actually get some daytime writing done, but I also have to take care of other factors in life and yeah. stuff. Um, but it, it's exhausting. It kind of forces me to be better at time management and stuff so I can get everything done that needs to get done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Getting better at time management. That's not a, that's a life skill. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, are you, how do you keep on schedule with the writing? I know, okay. So summer is not a productive time for you. Um, but in general, like, you know, do you have like a daily word target or something or what are you doing? I, I had, but I'm kind of um, doing a whole group of projects right now. So my daily word count has been thrown out the window. Yeah. Um, I'm doing a bit of screenwriting for this project that I'm working on. Uh, I'm doing the editing of the two books and I'm supposed to be doing another book for um, a series that's going to be starting later on in 2018 that I've been horribly neglectful with and I'm sorry to my publisher in advance who's going to listen to this and be like, what? <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I need to get back on that. Yeah, yeah. But the editing and everything else has kind of put pushed everything else to the back burner. Right, right. Yeah. You bring up an interesting point, by the way, uh, because, you know, the a lot of times uh, we think about the publisher, we think about them as being um, a machine of sorts, you know, mm -hmm. we're going to feed our book into the machine. They're going to produce the book in yeah. all the uh, various ways, but there are actual, uh, you know, there are human beings behind the helm there. Uh, everyone's got uh, their, their role to play and they've got their responsibilities to consider. Uh, and I think that whole deadline thing, it, it tends to it tends to trip people up, I think, right? Uh, but yeah. it's so important, right? I mean, you, how do they handle deadlines with your publisher? Or do they they say? Do you tell them I I want the book? I'm going to have the book done by such and such date, or do they say we need it by this date? Um, up until recently, for me at least, it hasn't been a problem because. I kind of had more books than they had time slots for, but I've kind of reached that point where now I have to start creating new material. Right. And they've sort of not quite given me a deadline, but they've kind of been like, we would like the next one soon. <laughs> and I don't know. Maybe if they gave me a drop dead date where they're like, it has to be by this date. I, I right. might be better it but now I've just put an idea in their head I'm sure so <laughs> <laughs> well so do you uh sort of schedule your own deadline then do you say I mean you're you're saying you until now it hasn't really been an issue but are yeah. you no it hasn't been yeah so you're, you you don't have like a calendar set up somewhere that you're looking at and saying okay I promised uh, by this I, date I, I, ha I have a calendar for the ones that they've already gotten mm -hmm. um so I know approximately when I have to have all my edits done by or when I should be expecting another round in my inbox. Right. But other than that, not so much. Right. Right. So, um, okay. You, uh, <laughs> deadlines are hard. We, I think yes. 
that could be a theme of the show. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're, uh, you've got, so when you are uh, sitting down to do the work, um, you're writing primarily at night, uh, not during the summer uh, as much. Nope. What's your kind of overall process? Are you, uh, do you have to have music going? Are you, uh, you know, mm. you got something oh. playing in the background? Occasionally I'll, I'll put a show on in the background just so I have voices in the house because yeah. if everyone else is sleeping, then I kind of need that noise to keep me distracted. Sometimes I'll listen to music depending on what it is I'm working on. Right. Um, I, I usually have all of my books outlined, at least the basic plot idea and who okay. the character is going to be before I start. And I like to end at the end of a chapter if I can. Yeah. The natural stopping point instead of. Yeah. Yeah. I forget who it was that um, maybe it was Hemingway who used to just stop in mid sentence um, and come back to it the next day, <laughs> which I tried a couple of times, but like he would just get to a point where he's like, okay, done and stand up and walk away and come back and reread that sentence and start, start right from that point, which I think that, me crazy yeah i think it would probably drive me crazy too because i i'm like you i want to end at least on a scene like i want to yeah. have a scene break between me and the next set of words yeah. um all right so you've you've got the you get to a point how, how many words typically are you putting into these um at this point i'd say somewhere between 65 to eighty thousand. okay okay all right. Uh, that is a respectable uh, novel length these days. I, uh, I'm noticing. I'm, most of my books fall in that range too, so I, I'm fully on board. So you, you get your 60 to 80 words, uh, 80,000 words uh, down on the page. Um, do you self-edit first before sending it off to the publisher, or uh, how do you handle edits? Yeah, I, I, I do self-edit first. Okay. Um, there was one book where I realized that one of my character's names sounded too similar to someone I'd killed off in a book before. Uh -huh. so halfway through the book, I changed it. Okay. And then I realized that I probably missed half of the instances of the original name, changing right. it to the new thing. So I had to go back and before sending it in, because otherwise they'd be like, what? Right. <laughs> What's going on here? Right. So I, I forced myself to self-edit before I send it in. Right. At least one or two rounds. Is there anybody between you and the publisher before that book gets there or, or no? Occasionally I'll send it to my brother or mm -hmm. my, my dad edited the first few Sitnalta books before I sent it anywhere. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, it's good to have a, a team. <laughs> <laughs> Those first readers. Uh, who, do, who do you consider your first reader? Who's the, re who's the person you write for? Um, the it depends on the series. I, I have been writing this in Alta series for my brother because it started off as a short story I wrote for him when he was in grade school. So he's kind of grown up with the characters. Mm -hmm. So for, for him, I typically send things off first. Um, my Dybbuk Scrolls series, I kind of wrote for my kids so that they'd have something to read when they got older based right. on like stories for them. But they're still a bit young for it, so right. Yeah. They have a way to go. So I, I wouldn't call them first readers on this one, but it's definitely a series I wrote with them in mind. Right. I'm 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 spotting a trend here that you, <laughs> you start writing for someone young, and yeah. uh, it turns into a book series. Yeah. <laughs> so all you, all you got to do to keep your career going is have more kids. That's all you got to do. 
more children. <laughs> well, eventually, theoretically, they'll have kids of their own. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you'll be able to write for the grandkids. <laughs> so, um, is this what do you do this full time, or do you have anything else going? Um, I do a bit of property management, but okay, I, I, I've also um, written. Uh, like I, I've done some theater work like this summer I had a piece in the Toronto Fringe Festival the Kids Fringe okay. where I worked with um, songwriters Anthony Bastianin and we we like um, and Brett McKaig and we did a musical for children for the Kids Fest Festival um, and that went over quite well and we're well I haven't told them yet, but I would like to do one again this year. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, so I'm kind of taking my writing to other areas that I would like to work in. I'm really interesting. So um, in my experience, and I, I, I've had a, I had a career in film and TV for a, a bit. I've done some, uh, I've written scripts. I wouldn't necessarily call that screenwriting, uh, the stuff that I've done, because it's mostly documentary television kind of stuff. Um, but I'm always curious, like, is there a, how difficult is it to shift gears between writing prose and writing uh, for the screen? Um, well, with this, with, with the screenwriting stuff that I've done, which is basically going to hopefully be a television version of the kids friend show. Uh -huh. um, it, the, the people that I'm working with, uh, one of them in particular keeps telling me to cut back on the description. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Because like the, the prose writer in me wants to write out exactly what happens and what right. everybody looks like and how they're feeling and all that stuff. It's like, no, no, it's a script. Right. You need all that. Right. So that, that, that's where the self-editing really comes into play to kind of dial it back and keep it a little bit more bare bones. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, so what got you into writing the screen, the screenplay versions? Did you do a lot of that earlier in your career? No, um, this particular show for the Kids Fringe, it was um, Jay and Shiloh, that's what we called it. And it came about because having small children in the house, I noticed that most of what they watched on television drove me up the wall. Right. And I would watch, watch it and be like, there's got to be something better out there. So I decided to make the something better. Right. Hopefully it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I like that, by the way, as a quote. Uh, I decided to make this something better. <laughs> because that's, uh, I think, honestly, uh, that may be at the heart of what a lot of authors, uh, why a lot of authors get into the business is yeah. you know, they, they're out there and they see something. They read a book, they watch a television show, and they decide, you know, I can do that. and I can probably do it better. <laughs> and sometimes they can. Uh, yeah. a lot of times, a lot, a lot of authors I know do a pretty good job. Uh, so you're okay. You're, you do some property management, you do the yes. books, uh, this yeah. are the books kind of a full-time income for you or, uh, uh, not yet. Okay. That's a typical author response. <laughs> <laughs> so if your publisher really is listening, what we need to do is say, look, authors got to eat. Authors got to pay for their kids' uh, dentist and uh, yeah. you know, buy clothes. So, 
let's, let's up the scratch. Uh, <laughs> so you, uh, so what are your plans? I'm, I'm not trying to get you in trouble. You're a publisher. <laughs> um, so what are your, uh, sort of plans going forward? Like what's your, do you have a strategy that you're working to or, uh, how are you managing your career on that front? Well, I would like a strategy. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm trying to get them out there, uh, get the books out there. Um, in particular, the Dybbuk Scroll series, which tackles uh, Jewish folklore through a young adult fantasy lens. Oh, very cool. um, we're trying to get that into the uh, North American Jewish Book Council, which, guys, if you're listening to <laughs> copies, um, and just trying to get people to know that the books exist. I mean, that, that really is the key to things. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out there. It's just a matter of telling the readers, hi, I'm here, pick this up, which is at the heart of, I think most authors issues with getting readers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Discoverability is the, uh, is the key phrase. So yeah. Um, uh, and that, that kind of leads into my next question really. Uh, so you know, you have a traditional uh, contract, but are you, I assume you're having to still do some of your own marketing at least, right? Some of it, yes. Yeah. So how do you handle your side of the marketing Marketing, and uh, what what does the publisher do for you? Uh, well, my side is a lot of trial and error. Mm-hmm. Uh, their, their side, like I said, it's um, finding out who best to give the books to, because if it were up to me, I'd probably send it to every person on the planet. But <laughs> can't do that. Right. Um, but on their side, it's a lot of research. And at this point, also a lot of trial and error, because a lot of what's happening out there in the marketplace is shifting and changing. And who do you go with? Is it like create space and Amazon are having things going on and other people are like changing how they print and this and that, and just understanding what the market trends are and understanding how to make the most noise without being obnoxious about it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and that's a good way to put that by the way, <laughs> because we, uh, there's a tendency, uh, when authors do start marketing their work and a lot of them don't, and that's, that's sure. really bizarre to me. But, um, when they do start marketing their work, there's a tendency to go scream on the street corners rather than, uh, insert in a casual conversation. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. Then it has to be the right conversation with the right people. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It's uh, the analogy that always works for me is the uh, cocktail party. You know, when you're, you're at a party, if you loudly start proclaiming yourself to be an author and asking everyone you encounter to buy your books, you're going to be asked to leave the party. Right. Right. But if you're just having a casual conversation and the topic comes up, um, Mm -hmm. it's a natural organic thing to do. Yeah. 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 A lot of authors, uh, I think need to start thinking that way. <laughs> so what, what does, uh, you may have covered this. I'm sorry. Uh, what does uh, Panda Moon do for you as far as marketing goes? Well, aside from researching the right people to yell at, um, yeah, yeah. it's also like finding the best opportunities. Like I, I wouldn't have known about these book councils or anything yeah. like that. And it, it's them who who finds it a lot of the time and creating the press releases and sending them out something I wouldn't necessarily have known how to do. Right. And 
just creating the promotional materials and finding the right opportunities to send me to and and all sorts of things like that. Yeah, yeah. So are you hitting conferences and that sort of thing? I've done a few. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, last spring, I was at a Chicago Com, uh, C2E2, Comic Con and Entertainment Expo, I think that's what it was. Okay. That was okay. I'm doing something in the States. Um, <laughs> I've done Fan Expo. Uh, I did the Toronto Word on the Street. Um, like, I, I've done GenreCon and Ad Astra and a bunch of things around the area as well. And just looking to branch out and get things going. I mean, part of my issue is babysitting. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to dress them as characters and bring them with oh, you. I've done that. <laughs> Look, you got to press every advantage. That's, <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Okay. Uh, so you're, all right, you're still working on your strategy. We've already talked about that. Um, yeah. I mean, where do you see, you know, are, are, you've got, is it two, do you have more than two series right now or? How? Um, I have those two and what started as, a single book that I co-wrote with a friend of mine named Anne Tran. Okay. Uh, Bath Salts, which mm-hmm. is a Canadian zombie novel. Okay. And uh, the publisher wants a sequel to that, which we're both kind of laughing about. Um, Interesting. Because c- we actually have something planned out for that, which is a little bit ridiculous. It's a zombie novel written in diary entries from two different perspectives of the same incidents. Okay where our characters flee to Nunavut to try to hide from the zombie apocalypse as it takes over Canada and the rest of the world. That's interesting. Actually, I've always thought, so, you know, I watch Walking Dead, right? I've always thought, you know, Canada wouldn't be a bad place to turn. You can get in, if you go far enough north. Exactly. (laughs) There are no people. (laughs) And frozen we will walk slower. That's the way I see it too. I'm glad we, we had this chat because <laughs> I've, I've made this argument like, okay, here's my strategy. Go to the top of a mountain and uh, make sure that there's snow because the, they're going to freeze, right? And isn't the tendency like water flows downhill. The tendency is to go to the path of least resistance, right? So if you've got no will driving you, aren't you going to yep. go down rather than up? I'm thinking up. I'm going exactly. up. <laughs> yeah. Just head north until you stop finding land to head to. Right. Right. Yeah, there is the whole issue of freezing to death yourself. Uh well that's why you get yourself a tiny house with the solar panels on That's top. what I'm talking about. All right, we're on board. We're on we're on the same page. All right. So <laughs> Okay, and by the way, that whole bath salts thing, uh the very first thing that popped in my head the first time I ever heard about that was especially with the first time I heard about it was some guy eating someone's face off. So uh, zombie was the first thing that came into my brain. Right. <laughs> Which was our reaction too. We're like, all right, let's grab the bug out bags. We're good. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Hit the road. Uh, yeah. So that's a cool concept. I'm glad to hear that's gain- gained some traction. You know, I, and zombie books uh, are, they're still kind of hot right now. So I imagine that's fueling some of that. How, what's the reaction to that book been? Uh, it's been pretty good so far. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it was like um, your, your cocktail party analogy where we basically took the book to Fan Expo at one point and Max Brooks was there. So we're like, hey. So we just kind of handed him a copy of it and we're like, right. can we take a picture of you with our book? And he, he kept it. So hopefully he read it. 
So. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool though. Uh, I need to start doing that. And I go to a lot of conventions and a lot of comic cons and, um, I tend not to take a bunch of my books because I'm, I usually don't have a table. I'm usually on panels and mm-hmm. moving around a lot. And uh, I didn't want to have to carry a backpack full of books, but I think I'm going to have to suck it up <laughs> and start doing yeah. that. Yeah. I, I tend to do that. I kind of steal one of the kids extra backpacks. So I'm walking around with like the Avengers or Sophia the first on the back and right. Right. Yeah. Not out of place though. That In, in that environment, totally not out of place. <laughs> yeah. And then when I need to, I have a couple copies or, whatever bag if someone's interested yeah that's just a smart idea that's good marketing see you're, you're thinking like a marketer all right uh so you uh you it, what's that what's the target audience for that for basalt uh judging by the language and some of the things that are described i'd say it's a grown-up book it's a grown-up book okay it's a grown-up book. <laughs> Zo- uh, yeah because you know zombie uh zombie fiction in the preteen market probably isn't uh, a big hit you know, so well, that one um, book, God, I forget what it's called. I think it was like Warm Bodies or something that was like a zombie love story that yeah. I think for the teens. Yeah, I vaguely recall this. <laughs> 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 so it was at least in my consciousness enough to disturb me vaguely. So, yeah. uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, cool. All right. So you got a whole third series coming. What's uh? So is the process of co-authoring um, how different is that for you? Like, did you have to make any adjustments there? Um. Well. Yes and no. I mean, Anne's been one of my best friends forever, basically. Yeah. So it was kind of easy to kind of start off with my side of the diary entries and just call her up and be like, so I have this crazy idea. And she said, well, you started with that. So I'm good. Um, <laughs> Come so, on. I, so I sent it off to her. I'm like, now write your side. And yeah. so then we just kind of continued from there and it, and we've done a couple other things afterwards. Like we wrote a short story that mm. involved um, reincarnation, witches and tentacles. And okay. it's a love story where I'm like, we, we need to write a romance. And she said, well, it's only a romance if I get to set everybody on fire every three pages. And I'm like, sure, <laughs> okay, romantic. we'll go with that. Right. And so we have that. Um, uh, the, the two of us make a good team. The trick to co-authoring is finding someone that you could actually work with. Yeah, 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 I agree. And, uh, you know, I ha- I've co-authored uh, with exactly one person successfully. And uh, it and it was great. Uh, and I, you know, we still love each other. Uh, but <laughs> it's been, it was, it's been difficult for me. I've tried with a couple of folks and it just didn't work out. So it's a lot more challenging than people think. It All is. Right. Well, we are, uh, we're, we're coming up on time. Um, so first thank you so much for, you know, spending this time with me with all the uh, kids you got to attend to and everything. So, uh, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy writing schedule publisher. She took time to promote the existing books is what happened. She's not slacking. She's doing the promotion side. I'm <laughs> so thank you so much for that. Uh, where can people find you and your work online? I have my website, elisegoldenberg.com. Um, I'm also on my publisher's website, pandamoonpublishing.com. And I'm on Amazon. And... I think that's the most important one. Of the All time. right. 
that's yeah that's you know <laughs> as much as i might want it to be otherwise amazon is pretty much where people are going to go to buy their books <laughs> yeah. but for the canadians out there i think you can order most of them through indigo as well indigo yeah excellent which means they're available on kobo yes yeah all right <laughs> i still think in terms of ebook almost consistently and uh <laughs> continuously so all right well uh hey thanks again uh at least for uh being on i appreciate it say hi to your kids for me uh and good luck with the uh the screenwriting and everything okay well thank you you got it now stick around uh everybody else you're probably hearing the groovy theme music right now uh bridging us over to the outro uh you may dance in place at will and i will uh probably fill you in on some cool details in just a second so stick around and otherwise see you next time now do i know my show or what because <laughs> Here are those cool details I'm going to fill you in on. Um, first up, now let's. I'm going to jump right into this because I got this announcement. And I put it at the head of my news segment because um, I <clears throat> because it's my show and I get to do that. <laughs> but uh, the big news: uh, Word. Pre well, I'm sorry. I'm going to start that part over. Wordslinger Press officially launches as of now. I uh, this week uh, put some things together. Now this is going to be a little rudimentary at first. Uh, you're going to have to forgive me if it's not, uh, quite polished, but, uh, the idea here is I wanted to create something that would, um, that would allow me to take some of the stuff I'm, I've learned and, uh, the, the things that I've produced over, uh, from, uh, the years of doing the Wordslinger podcast and, uh, doing blogging and doing stuff for draft digital and doing coaching and doing all these things that were meant to help indie authors to uh, build and grow their author careers. I wanted to create something that uh, authors could uh, take and use uh, at will. Uh, I'm glad you tune in for the podcast. I'm glad you read the blog posts when you can. Um, but this is something you can put on your, uh, your e-reading device. Uh, there are going to be other products and stuff, I think, in the future. For right now, this is all about books. Um, now, if you've followed me for any length of time, you probably know about 30 Day Author, which is was my... Uh, uh, previous uh, nonfiction book oriented towards wordslinger, and um, it's still if you've read it and you, you enjoyed it, I mean, it's all about developing a daily writing habit. Uh, it could probably stand an update at this point. I think I need to go back and take a look at that. But it is still a uh, a fan favorite. I get a lot of people who read it and send me emails uh, saying that they really appreciate it. They got a lot out of it, um, and I'm happy that it helped. Now, that was a full format book. This is a much shorter book. Uh, the newest release, actually, and it is writing a better book description. Now, the idea here is um, this is a, a, a kind of a strategy and guideline for writing both a, a fiction uh, book description and a nonfiction book description. And I give you kind of my process for it. And I break this down. I mean, I give, I give you some specifics. So um, there's some useful content in this thing. <clears throat> it's very short. It's about 44 printed pages. It's not very long. Um, and it's available everywhere. However, however, if you like to save money, and I know I do, you can actually buy it for uh, half the cover price, I believe. But actually, yeah, it's about half. It's 99 cents. It's normally $1.99. See, it is small. I don't charge a lot for it. But you, you can buy it on the Wordslinger Podcast website. Uh, if you go to wordslingerpodcast.com, there's a little there's a new little button. <laughs> Colorful little button. It's got two little covers on it, two little book covers on it. Um, and uh, that's it says Wordslinger Press. So click on that, and you'll be able to find a uh, both 30-day author 
and write a better book description on that page. And um, you can get it at that exclusive low price on that site and that site alone. So go check that out. Now the idea here is I'm building something from this. Okay, so this is gonna grow. There's gonna be more content like this. It's gonna be aimed at uh, helping indie authors build and grow their author careers. And uh, it's stuff that I picked up from interviews, uh, things I've experienced. It's, it's, it's pulling from the wealth of knowledge that I've been exposed to over the past uh, you know, three or four years. So uh, actually over the past lifetime, <laughs> The past four and a half decades. <laughs> so um, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, and of course, if you if you pick those up and read them, uh, you can leave me a review on Amazon or something. That will help out a lot. But be sure to tell people about the show, about that content, and uh, keep watching. This stuff's going to grow. I'm going to I'm I'm going to start releasing some new uh, products there over time. Uh, books, of course, uh, but I'm also looking at maybe some other products. So. Hope you dig that. Special price just on the website, uh, 99 cents. Can't beat that. Uh, you can pick up a 30-day author for a buck 99 on the site uh, rather than the 2.99 I usually sell it for. I keep the prices on these very low because <laughs> um, you know the the goal is to get to give authors something useful um, while still uh, you know making a little profit myself. What can I say? Um, now, in the news, let's get into the news segment. And that was uh, officially that was supposed to be a news uh, uh, story. Uh, so I hope you I hope you dig that. <laughs> so um, now this one's cool. Is Amazon being used for money laundering? Now it's that time of year when authors are getting into the, they're getting their 1099s just in time to pay Uncle Sam for the privilege of being able to work and make a living in this country. Uh, some authors are getting a little extra surprised with their tax forms, though. Patrick Reams got a 1099 indicating that he'd made nearly $24,000 from book sales on CreateSpace. Now, that would normally be a celebratory kind of moment uh, for a lot of indie authors, but uh, this seemed kind of unlikely as Reams did not have any books published through Amazon's PLD service. Uh, upon checking into it, he discovered that someone had used his identity to create an account and sell a book titled Lower Days Ahead for $555 per copy. <laughs> Reams and others aren't, aren't entirely sure what's up, but one theory is that someone is using CreateSpace to launder pilfered credit cards. Uh, buying copies of the paperback and having Amazon deposit 60% of the sale into a bank account. If true, this represents a huge and scary problem for Amazon and indie authors alike, uh, but it's kind of a cool plot twist for a uh, for a thriller novel. And I call dibs. This is my story. You cannot have it. I'm already writing it. Um, so what do you think of that? That is a, that's interesting. I've actually spun this a hundred different ways now and I've got some cool ideas. I, I literally, I'm not kidding. I am working this into a book. Uh, so <laughs> be on the lookout. Um, let me know what you think of this story. What, what, it's surprising to me. It's a, it's a, I hadn't quite considered it, but if you think about it, it is a pretty sweet way to launder uh, money, uh, stolen credit cards. It's just uh, kind of brilliant. Um, Amazon, of course, is not being very helpful. The the uh, the author is has asked for information, and their policy, of course, is they don't give information about accounts, even if it's supposedly your account. This is stupid. <laughs> this is just pure stupidity. Uh, speaking of stupid, 
Hashet CEO says ebooks are a stupid product. Uh, Hashet is back in the news for comments from CEO Armad Nauri. Uh, while in India, Nauri was interviewed by Scroll.in and was pretty open about his disdain of the entire ebook market. Uh, he said, end quote, the ebook is a stupid product. It is exactly the same as print, except it's electronic, Nauri said. There is no creativity, no enhancement, no real digital experience. Now, he did admit that it was the entire industry that had not done a good job with ebooks, which is big of him. Uh, frankly, the CEO's comments highlight the fact that he and the rest of the traditional publishing industry seem to be just utterly clueless about the impact of ebooks. Um, that's my opinion, of course. And uh, as a seller of ebooks that are not priced, higher than paperback books uh you know that's where i stand <laughs> i mean come on you know ebook sales uh, tank after you raise prices above the cost of a paperback book come on <laughs> this is what i mean when i say when i say the traditional world the, the traditional publishing industry could actually take a page or two out of the indie publishing book and you know learn something and maybe create something new. Now I get what they're saying, and I kind of there's a part of me that somewhat agrees. The um, the ebook has not been an, an evolving product. Uh, the my take on this, by the way, is the ebook is already somewhat of a perfect product. I mean, yeah, it could be it could be improved, uh, but we've tried things. They've tried things. Hashet's tried things. You know, the enhanced ebook, the uh, additional content, video, music, motion graphics, you know, but that's not what people buy a book to experience. They, they buy a book to have a book experience. So I think the problem uh, is that they don't want ebooks to succeed. And that's why they're stupid. The ebooks. But Hachette too. So um, that's, uh, that's my position on it. I, uh, you know, uh, again, like I said at the open of the show, under the right conditions, right circumstances, right contract, I would consider a traditional deal. Um, but I have to admit, whenever I read stories like this, it, it, it really kind of puts me off on the whole deal. I mean, because uh, why, why am I turning over such a large portion of my royalty to a company that doesn't believe in uh, the very product that has gotten me as far as, as I've gotten? Uh, that's just something to consider. So... <clears throat> that's our news for this week um you probably got i hope you got something interesting out of that i i and uh if you have news events and you want to share them with me let me know go, go hop on over to wordslingerpodcast.com and click the contact button you can send me a news item um i go and i, I find these each week i i only i try to do three stories a week and uh i think it i think i've had a, a fair enough time finding some some weeks are slower than others um but i think i've had a pretty fair time finding these things but I'm always looking for something unusual I may not have heard of. So if you come across a news story that's related to uh, indie publishing uh, in some way, just let me know. I'd love to hear from it uh, or hear from you. Hear it from you. There we go. All right. So this episode of the Worst Slinger Podcast is, of course, sponsored by draft digital You heard all about that at the opening of the show. Uh, I won't rehash that. But if you want to help me out, you can go to drafttodigital.com slash wordslinger. And uh, basically, I'm doing the uh, referral program there. And if you sell a book, I get a little bit of a kickback uh, for each each book you sell. Um, and, of course, uh, you don't lose a dime. 
that all comes out of draft digital pocket did draft to digital's pocket uh draft digital has a ton of tools that are going to be very useful to you as an indie author so you're going to you're going to want to check that out if you got questions ask me that's what i'm here for i'm the director of marketing for d2d so i'm happy to help with that Wordslinger Press is also a sponsor of the show. Go figure. Um, this is your chance to start your indie career right. Pick up books and other products to help you build and grow a successful writing career. Start growing at wordslingerpodcast.com. That's where you're going to find some cool tools, man. I'm not kidding. Um, this is the stuff that, uh, you know, I'm pulling this together because I, I know there's a need for it. You know, there's plenty of books out there. You don't have to buy any of my stuff, uh, but I'm trying to give you a nice foundation, a good place to start. So, and uh, I appreciate it. And it helps, you know, this is how I make my living is this stuff. So it does help. I try to keep the prices really low. I don't want to gouge anybody. I want you to get more use out of it than I get money out of it. And that is just the way it should be. Uh, so check it out. I hope you enjoy it. Now, uh, if you're not already a subscriber, uh, please subscribe. And uh, if you are a subscriber, if you've been listening it for any length of time, I would really appreciate if you'd go on iTunes and leave a review for the podcast. Um, just get, you know, four or five stars would be fantastic. I do appreciate that. And if you could just tell tell me and tell the world what it is you like about the show, what do you get out of it? You know, if you don't get anything out of it, that's fine. Don't don't leave anything. But if you're if you are enjoying the show and you're getting something out of it, I would really appreciate it. It helps other people to discover the show. Uh, you can of course sub, you know uh, support the show on Patreon. If you go to Patreon.com/slash/wordslingerpodcast, I want to be adding stuff to that as I grow. Um, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> Man, it just take. It, there's a billion things, and there's I'm just going down bit by bit, checking stuff off this list, but. Some things are lower priority. But if you do want to support the show financially, I do appreciate it. If you go to patreon.com slash wordslingerpodcast, uh, every dime you you commit will go into the overhead of the show and might occasionally buy me a taco. So just go uh, check that out. I think you'll enjoy it. And, of course, the best, my favoritist, the bestest way of all to uh, support me and my work is to hop on over to kevintomlinson.com slash books. Pick up an archaeological thriller, a, a sci-fi bestseller, a YA fantasy epic. Uh, I think there's going to be something for everybody there. So uh, kevintomlinson.com slash books. Buy a book. Uh, you know, make an author smile. So that's it for this week, folks. I really do appreciate you tuning in. I, I, I enjoy talking to you. This is one of the highlights of my week. Now, if you are, um, if you happen to be in Austin next week, I'm going to be in the, I'm going to be at the Smarter Artist Summit. Drafted Digital is sponsoring, and we're doing karaoke, so you're going to want to be there. <laughs> and I love karaoke. I am a singing author. Um, so uh, if you're going to be there, look me up, say hello, and uh, I can't wait to see you. So. God bless each of you. I appreciate you being a listener. I appreciate you coming back every week. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Uh, no, actually, I probably won't see you next week because I'm going to be at uh, SAS. But I will see you next time. So God bless you. And I'll see you then. Word slinger.